Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church Online. Uh, We miss you all and the fellowship that we have together when we're all together, which we haven't been for a couple of weeks now. Um, We're praying that this threat will soon be contained so we can get back to our usual routine. Don't know how long that's going to be, though. It doesn't look too promising right now. Meanwhile, we'll continue to have Sunday service uh, online until it's safe to gather together again. But we definitely, all of us, miss all of you. So, <clears throat> Anyway, Pastor John called me yesterday, and he sounded great. That was the first time I spoke with him since before the surgery. Uh, he's doing much better, and he's in his post-surgery rehab, rehabilitation, um, and has begun his course of oral treatment <clears throat> that's proven successful for his type of cancer. Keep him in your prayers and that he continues to improve so that no infection will affect his recovery. <coughs> Sorry, I got a little uh, little um, allergies today. So um, let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for the many blessings you have provided us, most importantly for Jesus Christ, who suffered on the cross to pay for the sins of all mankind and to provide the gifts of eternal life to those who simply believe and trust in Jesus. We pray for Pastor John's continued healing for his family and blessings of health and prosperity on Lighthouse Bible Church, our congregation, our families, and our community. We pray for our country and for all people affected by the virus, for health care workers, essential service workers, and that a treatment or vaccine be developed. Please bless us all and prepare our minds and hearts today as we seek to learn more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Obviously, no song service today, um, as we're not congregating. So as you know, each month we feature a different missionary organization, which we pray for and send support funds. We encourage you to do this also in any way you feel you're able. This month it's Grace Bible Pakistan, the ministry of Faisal and Carrie John, two amazing people and they have an amazing ministry. <clears throat> if you have a chance, go online, there's their, uh, their website and check them out. You know, they have a lot, of, a lot of good things there. Their ministry exists to serve a group of Christians in Pakistan. They sponsor a school for poor children, an orphanage, and they print uh, printed material, biblical material, in uh, the Urdu language. Please pray for this important ministry and support it as the Lord leads. If you want to donate, go on their website at www.gbcpakistan.org. Uh, please do not make the checks out to Lighthouse Bible Church anymore. Um, if you, you, you might as well just mail them right to... Uh, you go on their website and you'll get their mailing address. Yeah. Um, I thought we might need a little wisdom from God again today, this week, um, to those who might be worried about the effects of this pandemic. Lots of people have reported uh, mild symptoms, so if you or someone you care about gets sick, it might not be too severe. Um, Also, there can be uncertainty over financial consequences such as loss of your job, loss of income, uh, or investments. 
So I wrote down a few verses we can look at that may help ease the anxiety. And the first one is um, Romans 8, 38, and 39. I'm just going to read them. Um, you can go there if you want. But um, uh, Romans 8, 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him... Jesus Christ, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And finally, Romans 8.31, last verse in that chapter. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So today's lesson... um, going to be on uh, the courage of the queen and the providence of God. And that's uh, beginning in the book of Esther, um, which will, <clears throat> will be in the book of Esther today. And uh, we'll not be able to get it finished, so we'll go through the first part of it today. And then uh, next week, uh, if we're still here, we'll finish. <laughs> Hopefully. Okay. Um, the book of Esther, uh, although we do not know Who wrote the book of Esther? From internal evidence, it's possible to make some inferences about the author and the date. Um, It's clear that the author was a Jew, both from his emphasis on the origin of a Jewish festival, which we'll learn about later, uh, and from the Jewish nationalism that permeates permeates the story. The book of Esther is a historical book, a story of redemption of the Israelites from a plot to commit genocide against them by an evil, vindictive prince. It could be sold on Amazon as a murder plot mystery or a great story. Even though the word of God or Lord does not appear in the book, we will see the hand of God in the deliverance of these people from this evil plot. Esther is a great story of courage in the face of great peril, also demonstrative of good versus evil and Satan versus God. The book of Esther provides us with great illustrations of the providence of God as well. Although his name is never mentioned, we see his providence in each page of this wonderful little book. So beginning in the book of Esther, we're going to stay in the book of Esther the whole time today. Um, Maybe one or two verses somewhere else, but I'll put them up on the slides. Anyway, um, Esther chapter 1, verse 1. Esther's in the Old Testament, for those of you that may not remember that. But um, anyway, uh, we'll let you find it for a minute. Now we're going to just stay, hold your place right there in Esther. Chapter 1 and verse 1. Now it took place in the days of Ahasuerus, the Ahasuerus who reigned from India to Ethiopia, over 127 provinces. In those days, as King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne, which was at the citadel in Susa, in the third year of his reign, gave a banquet for all his princes and attendants, the army officers of Persia and Medea, 
the nobles and the princes of his provinces being in his presence. So King Ahasuerus was a king of Persia, Medea, and Babylonia who reigned during part or shortly after the 70-year period of exile and captivity in Babylon for the Jewish people. He also is referred to as Xerxes, and this period was prophesied by Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 11. And so Jeremiah 25, 11 says, This whole land will be a desolation and a horror, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. And when the 70 years was up and the Jews were called to return to the land, some did not heed the call, but remained in Persia or Babylonia. Since there is no mention of God, we can assume that most of the Jews of this time were far from his will. The story begins in Esther chapter 1 and verse 4. Um, and he displayed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor of his great majesty for many days, 180 days. When these days were completed, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days for all who were present at the citadel in Susa, from the greatest to the least in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were hangings of fine white and valet violet linen held by cords of fine purple linen on silver rings and marble columns and couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. I never did figure out what porphyry was. I meant to look that up, but I'm not sure what that is. Anyway, you you can assume it was pretty fancy. Drinks were served in golden vessels of various kinds, And the royal wine was plentiful according to the king's bounty. Of course it was. (laughs) The drinking was done according to the law. There was no compulsion. For so the king had given orders to each official of his household that he should do according to the desires of each person. So I guess they could drink whatever they want, less, more, whatever. Anyway, this was a time of prosperity in the land of Persia, Medea, and Babylonia and a display of wealth and excess by the king. Queen Vashti, well, going back to verse 9, Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the palace, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of Ahasuerus to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and princes, for she was beautiful. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. Then the king became very angry and his wrath burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for it was the custom of the king so to speak before all who knew law and justice, and they and were close to him, Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Maris, Marsena, and Memukan, the seven princes of Persia and Medea, who had access to the king's presence, sat in the first place in the kingdom. 
According to the law, what is to be done with Queen Vashti? Because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus, delivered by the eunuchs. In the presence of the king and princes, Memucan said, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king and all the princes and all the peoples who are in the provinces of King Ahasuerus, for the queen conduct will become known to all the women, causing them to look with contempt on their husbands, saying, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought to his presence, but she did not come. You could, you could see this as the beginnings of trouble. This day, the ladies of Persia and Medea who have heard of the queen's conduct will speak in the same way to all the king's princes, and there will be plenty of contempt and anger. If it pleases the king, let a royal edict be issued by him, and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Medea so that it cannot be repealed, that Vashti may no longer come into the presence of King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is more worthy than she." When the king's edict, which he will make, is heard throughout his kingdom, great as it is, then all women will give honor to their husbands, great and small. This word pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Memucan proposed. So he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province according to its script, and to every people according to their language, that every man should be the master of his own house, and the one who speaks in the language of his own people. Of course, the king wanted to show off Queen Vashti as a trophy, along with his other riches. I guess we know what he thought of her. So, Well, it doesn't say whether Vashti regretted her decision not to comply, but I don't think today's ladies would be happy with this. They would certainly be bashing the king on all the talk shows. Maybe that was the beginning of the women's liberation movement. I don't know. Anyway, this, this long uh, drunken feast and arrogant display of wealth and power is reminiscent of the fall of man through the arrogance of Adam and Eve at the garden. <clears throat> um, moving on to chapter 2 and verse 1 of the book of Esther. After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's attendants who served him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. Let the king appoint overseers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they may gather every beautiful young virgin to the citadel of Susa to the harem, into the custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the women, and let their cosmetics be given to them. Then let the young lady who pleases the king be queen in place of Vashti. And the matter pleased the king, and he did accordingly. <clears throat> now there was at the citadel in Susa a Jew whose name was Mordecai, son of Jer, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives who had been exiled with Jeconia, the king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had exiled. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is, Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. Now the young lady was beautiful of form and face, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So it came about when the command and decree of the king were heard 
And many young ladies were gathered up to the citadel of Susa into the custody of Haggai, that Esther was taken to the king's palace into the custody of Haggai, who was in charge of the women. <clears throat> now the young lady pleased him and found favor with him. So he, Haggai, quickly provided her with her cosmetics and food and gave her seven choice maids from the king's palace and transferred her and her maids to the best place in the harem. So Esther pleased Haggai so much that he elevated her to a special position in the king's harem, giving her preferential treatment to help her be more pleasing to the king. This was a beauty contest like the Miss America contest, with the prize being crowned the queen. And the training and preparation of the candidates lasted for over a year. So Esther did not make known her people or her kindred, for Mordecai had instructed her that she should not make them known. Every day, Mordecai walked back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she had fared. Mordecai was being a father to her and knew it would not be good to let anyone know she was a Jew. He also gave her advice and kept an eye out for her welfare, as we will see. So going on to verse 12. Now, when the turn of each lady, each young lady, came to go into King Ahasuerus after the end of her 12 months under the regulations for the women, for the days of their beautification were completed as follows. Six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and cosmetics for women. Well, that's a lot of preparation, huh? The young lady would go into the king in his way, in this way. Anything that she desired was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go in, and in the morning, she would return to the second harem to the custody of Shazgaz, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines. She would not again go in to the king unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abhel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, came in to the king, she did not request anything except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the women, advised. And Esther found favor in the eyes of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus to his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the women, and she found favor and kindness with him more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So what we see here is that almost four years, there are almost four years between Vashti's refusal to obey the king and the crowning of Esther. So I guess it must have taken a long time to round up all the young maidens for the contest. Anyway, moving on verse 18 of chapter 2. Then the king gave a great banquet, another banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his princes and servants. He also made a holiday for the provinces and gave gifts according to the king's bounty. When the, when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. 
Esther had not yet made known her kindred or her people, even as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther did what Mordecai told her as she had done while under his care. So Esther had two good coaches, Haggai, the the eunuch that was in charge of the women, and Mordecai, her cousin, to give her an advantage in the contest for queen. But as we will see, the hand of God will be in everything that happens. So verse 21, in those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Big Then and Teresh, two of the king's officials from those who guarded the door, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. But the plot became known to Mordecai, and he told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. Now when the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on a gallows, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles of the King's Presence, which we're going to see that later as a factor in this story. So God's providence placed Mordecai at the king's gate, letting him hear the plot against the king, and placed Esther in a position to be selected as queen giving her special help of Haggai to raise her chances. This report that Mordecai revealed to Esther and subsequently to the king will play a huge part in this story, as we shall see. So moving on to chapter 3 now, um, in verse 1. After these events, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and established his authority over all the princes who were with him. So Agagite refers to Haman being a descendant of the Amalekites, who were historical enemies of of the Israelites and were many times defeated in battle. In other words, the Israelites defeated them in battle. I think Saul might have been the first one to defeat them. Anyway, um, this is recorded throughout the Old Testament in Genesis 14, Numbers 14, Judges 6, 7, 10, and 12, as well as in First and Second Samuel and First Chronicles. So there's a lot of this, uh, a lot of this recorded there in the Old Testament. And this fact surely plays a part in Haman's anger and hatred of the Jews. Okay, verse 2. All the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why are you transgressing the king's command? Now it was when they had spoken daily to him, He would not listen to them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's reason would stand, for he had told told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage to him, Haman was filled with rage. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him who the people of Mordecai were. Therefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews." the people of Mordecai, who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, pure, that is, the lot, was cast 
before Haman from the day to day and from month to month and in the, until the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of all the other people, and they do not observe the king's laws, so it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. If it's pleasing to the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed. I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who carry on the king's business to put into the king's treasury. Then the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The silver is yours and the people also, to do with them as you please. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the thirteenth day of the first month, and it was written, Just as Haman commanded the king's satraps to the governors who were over each province and to the princes of each people, each province according to its script, each people according to its language, being written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, women and children, in one day, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, and to seize their possessions as plunder. A copy of the edict to be issued as law in every province was published to all the people so that they should be ready for this day. The couriers went out and impelled by the king's command while the decree was issued at the citadel in Susa. And while the king and Haman sat down to drink, the city of Susa was in confusion. So Haman, now that he is the crown prince, because of his big fat ego and power trip to glorify himself, convinces the king to put a bounty on the Jews. He calls for the extermination of all Jews, men, women, and children. So does that sound familiar? Throughout history there have been plots of genocide against the Jews. We will see if this plot will be successful or if God will put things and people in place to stop it. So, I mean, that we, we remember the, the hol- in our time, we remember the Holocaust and Stalin killing millions of Jews, and uh, now we got Hezbollah out there, and that's their desire. So this is not, uh, this is the beginning of something not so good. Anyway, when Mordecai, well, chapter 4, when Mordecai learned that all that had been done He tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city and wailed loudly and bitterly. He went as far as the king's gate, for no one was to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. In each and every province where the command and decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay on sackcloth and ashes." Then Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her, and the queen writhed with great anguish, and she sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but he did not accept them. 
Then Esther summoned Hathach from the king's eunuchs, whom the king had appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. So Hathach went out to Mordecai to the city square in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict, which had been issued in Susa for their destruction, so he might show Esther and inform her, and to order her to go into the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. So Hathach came back and related Mordecai's words to Esther. Then Esther Esther spoke to Hathach and ordered him to reply to Mordecai, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court and who is not summoned, he has but one law, that he be put to death, unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that they may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for 30 days. They related... Esther's words to Mordecai. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether or not you have attained royalty for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So that's, I guess she's getting a little brave there. Um, So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. So at first, Esther balks at going to the king because being against the king's law, it risks immediate death. Mordecai explains that she will not escape and will be found out as a Jew and killed as well. He um, also tells her that it is very possible she has attained the royalty for the purpose of saving the Jews from the destruction at the hands of the evil Haman. So will Esther be successful in convincing Ahasuerus to stop Haman's genocide? Possible outcomes are Esther gets killed for violating the king's command. Esther tells the the second one, Esther tells the king of the plot, but he spares her and lets Haman proceed anyway. And thirdly, the king reverses the plot and saves the Jews thanks to Esther's courage. So stay tuned. Next time we'll read on to find out what happens in Esther's elaborate plan to thwart Haman and if the massacre goes forward or is prevented. Okay, so that's it for today. Um, as we close our service today, if anyone has not believed in Christ 
as your personal Savior, now is the time to make that decision. We know that we cannot earn or deserve salvation, as we learn in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not from works, so that no one may boast. And in Romans 6.23, we're told, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, in order that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So God has made salvation so simple that all you have to do is close your eyes and tell God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and was resurrected by God, and I trust in him as my Lord and Savior. So, be sure and do that, do that if you haven't done it. Lighthouse Bible Church is a grace ministry and supported by gifts from believers who desire to support the teaching of God's word. We don't ask for pledges of money, and we don't pass the plate. But our ministry does have needs of salary for the pastor, building expenses, utilities, and missionary support. So keep that in your thoughts and prayers. If God puts it on your heart to help support this ministry, please mail a check or donate online. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to worship you and study your word today. And we ask that you bless us with your loving grace and answer our prayers as we leave today. Help us to keep the confidence in the blessings we have in Christ at the forefront of our mind when we are experiencing the struggles and disappointments that life can bring. We pray for the healing of Pastor John. We pray for our church, our community, our country, and all who are suffering. We pray for everyone impacted by the virus that a solution and recovery will be swift. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And thanks for watching.